I'm Haley. And I'm Riley. And this is Movies Better, Yeah Right. A podcast where we see how our favorite YA reads and their adaptations stack up against each other. I'm a full-time writer, reader, and proud owner of four library cards. And I'm a never writer, sometimes reader, and avid movie watcher. We've been friends for six years and bond best over books and movies based off them. But instead of watching together and annoying everyone around us with our nonstop commentary, we've brought our hot takes here for you. So whether you read along, watch along, both or neither, join us as we work our way through the YA genre. All right. It is Wrinkle in Time Week. Yes. So do we want to start with our hot takes, Riley? You should go first because I still don't remember what my hot take was. Oh, no. So my hot take is kind of a broad one, but I was reading this book and then I watched the movie and I thought, for some reason, the book like made perfect sense in my brain. I was like, yes, this is all very accurate and I am here for it. And then I watched the movie and I was like, this is absolutely absurd. I don't know why anyone (laughs) would think this was realistic. So that's my very odd hot take where book makes sense. I'm totally here for it. Movie. I was like, this is wacky and I don't get it. If we had watched the like 90s movie or the early 2000s movie, you would have had that feeling on steroids because it is even more ridiculous. My hot take is kind of lukewarm. It's just that I I loved this book so much as a kid that I cannot form any sort of critical negative opinion about it because it makes me feel so, I don't even know if the book is good or the movie, whatever, but it, the like certain images of like the bouncy ball kids on the driveway and like um, Aunt Beast just like make me feel so like I'm seven, <laughs> like this <laughs> nostalgic way. So I don't even think I could have a hot take if I tried. This is going to be a really fun conversation. <laughs> so I never read this book and I never saw the movie. I don't know how I keep just missing these childhood classics. I think I just didn't like to read. So I was probably like, that's not for me. What was your favorite book as a kid? As a kid, I when I was really little, I liked Utterly Me, Clarice Bean. Do you remember that book? No. It was so Maybe. cute. It was Did pink. It? I don't know. Maybe it, she was like a cartoon on the cover. I wonder if they ever made a show about it. But I really liked that. And then I barely read anything ever until like eighth grade. I read Twilight and... Your girl's been hooked ever since. I just needed YA. I think I don't like kids younger book. kids' books. I like was the kid who checked out 40 books at the library and would walk out with a stack like this. And they would tell my mom, like, she's not going to read these. And my mom would be like, okay, just wait till three weeks from now when we come back. And this was like one, my favorite book always was Heidi consistently, but it would change like the second book underneath that would change and a wrinkle in time was up there for a while. I love Interesting. I definitely did like it, but I have some thoughts. First, I'm going to keep a short and sweet summary brought to you by Spark Notes. So a wrinkle in time is a story of Meg Murray, a high school age girl, which I don't think that's very accurate. Isn't she like 12? Yeah, I don't think she's in high school. Okay, a middle school age girl (laughs) who is transported on an adventure through time and space with her younger brother, Charles Wallace, and her friend, Calvin O'Keefe, to rescue her father, a gifted scientist, from the evil forces that hold him prisoner on another planet. So I would say that's very short and sweet, but a lot more happens. 
we kind of open up in the first few chapters meeting our three main otherworldly women. We have Miss <laughs> What's It, Miss Who, and Miss Witch. And they meet Charles Wallace and then the other two children and kind of introduce them into the idea that the world is not fully what it seems and that their do- their dad, who has been missing for a few years, didn't run out on them. So mm-hmm. apparently he is missing in space. So these three women take the children and tesser them or like portal transport, I guess. We can get more into the science of it later, but take them to a whole new planet. I'll find the skirt picture, which won't help any podcast listeners, but maybe help us describe it. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, we can tell you what it looks like. So they take them to a whole new planet and basically explain that there's a darkness attacking the universe and that this darkness is after the father and has him right now and is also surrounding Earth. And... For whatever reason, these three kids are to save the entire universe (laughs) and their family and all the universe beings. So they go through this adventure and do pretty well. They make it to a whole planet where Riley was saying the darkness has fully (laughs) taken over Kamazot. And on that planet, everyone does the same things and follows the same patterns. And if you step out of line, you get like reprocessed. That's like the darkness's goal is to make everybody the same and take away any individuality. And that's where the father is. The darkness ends up getting Charles Wallace because he's a cocky little brat. Meg is able to set free the father and the father is able to help Calvin and Meg Tesser, but they leave behind Charles Wallace. And Meg is pissed. She's Mm -hmm. like, I came here. I got you. You're supposed to fix things now, dude. I'm 12. I've had enough. And of course, the dad still can't do anything. And the three otherworldly women are like, this is on you now, Meg. I don't really know. (laughs) So she goes back to the planet, Kamazot, and has to battle the darkness, otherwise known as it. I thought it was IT. Almost the entire time. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure it's it. It's it. She battles it and is able to win back Charles Wallace. And then they happily end up at home. And the whole family is reunited. And everything is fine and dandy. Very suddenly. Very suddenly. I did have a note. Everything is finished and wrapped up within six pages. Which was kind of shocking considering how long they take to get things. There's a lot of like auxiliary detail. But there is. I think that's the main gist of it. What do you think, Riley? Any missing points? Like weird other planets that they went to that we can maybe talk about later. But I liked the 2D one. I, I thought it was very funny that the ladies were like, oh, we vacation there. Yeah, they're like, we forgot. We almost could have killed you. Yeah, so on that planet, it's they like took the three women took like a pit stop when they were tessering the kids around the universe and they stopped on a planet that apparently is two dimensional. So these like other beings were fine, I guess, but the kids were like flattened out and couldn't breathe. Their like lungs couldn't get air mm-hmm. into them and their thoughts. Where Meg describes their thoughts as if they're written on paper, 
which I really liked. I thought yeah. that was cool. And they go see um, a medium. It's it's a woman in the book. Yeah. It's a man in both movies, the old one oh, and the new weird. one. weird. I don't know. I think my note on that whole thing was like, I don't really know why <laughs> this is important. A lot of the pre-Kamazot stuff is just like not – they're doing a lot of tessering for not a lot of great reasons. Yeah. Like so they tesser very initially from the house to the planet Uriel, which is like really beautiful. There's colors and flowers and – I think it smells good. Everything is, like, nice there. Yeah. And then Miss What's It, which I guess we should introduce our ladies. There's Miss What's It, Miss Who, and Miss Witch. And Miss What's It is, like, a normal lady, but she dresses funky and just seems like something is weird with her. And she transforms into a a Pegasus-type. Which is just like a centaur Pegasus, right? Let me show you a picture because – She's written other books. Again, not great for a podcast medium, but she's written other books. And one of the covers has Mrs. I see her like she's like a little baby version on mine. Oh, what do you have? I've got. I have this. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have the same book. Oh, Oh, she's like teeny tiny there. Um, But in the book, like they make it seem like there's no way to describe what she turns into. But, yeah. like, it really is just a centaur Pegasus. So Miss What's-It can transform. Miss Who only speaks in quotes, which I personally found very annoying. I loved it in the in the book. She speaks in quotes and then extra words. But in the movie, she's, like, quotes only. And I liked that. No, she starts talking normal at the end of the movie. Oh. And I have a whole note of, like, this was your whole thing for so long. <laughs> Why are you giving it up now? Oh, I missed that. We'll talk about it later, but she does not. You are wrong. <laughs> but in the book, she'll, like, speak in other languages and then, like, translate herself. Yeah. But I just, like, cannot be bothered. Um, and then Miss Witch, who I think was kind of my favorite, I pictured her, like, as an iridescent, like, shimmer. She, like, never has a human form, really. Mm-hmm. And she talks... In, like, the writing, there's a lot of extra letters. So yeah. only Riley will understand this, but I just picture her as Nana Wendy. Like, <laughs> sing-songy words. Yes. Yes, which I I won't do an impression. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Riley could do an impression. <laughs> Next time. I only have a little coffee here. Not- You'll have to pay for our Patreon to hear what Nana Wendy sounds like. We could get Colton to guest star. Oh, um, I wonder what her favorite book from childhood is. Maybe this one. It came out. Well, no. Never mind. 1962. Maybe. I guess she'd be like a t- teen. Yeah. Could have been my mom's favorite book, maybe. Do you want me, speaking of when it came out, to do some book facts? <gasps> yes. I would love book facts. My first book fact is actually just a fact about me, which is that <laughs> I I went to... So, Madeline Elangle the author whose name I maybe I'm saying correctly, maybe not. She died at age 88 in 2007. I -hmm. went to her 100th birthday party by accident because um, her granddaughters like released a book about her when I was in college. And I lived by this bookstore called books of wonder in New York. It's all kids books. And they did events and it was like my second home because I didn't have a social life and I loved it there. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this event. 
And it turns out it was on her 100th birthday. So they brought a cake that was all decorated. And I got a piece of the cake. So I helped celebrate her 100th birthday. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) So when she passed in 2007, um, this book was in its 69th printing and had sold 8 million copies. So I don't know the number. Oh, my gosh. Since, like, this new movie came out, I'm sure that's just even bigger. It's already crazy, but. That is crazy. She wrote the book in her 40s. She'd been, like, writing forever, and she's got a lot of other books, some, like, religious, spiritual books and adult books, but she was writing this in her that 40s. Adds up. Yes. Um, <laughs> she was living on a dairy farm with her three kids in Connecticut, and she was reading about Einstein, and she wanted to use his principles to make a believable universe. Her book was rejected 26 times, and she had given up and, like, shelved it. And she was at a tea party for her mom one Christmas and a guest knew an editor who did not publish kids books. Like his company didn't even have like a kid's imprint. Um, But he liked the book so much when they met that he published it. It was like the first kid's book that they published. Oh my gosh. It's like real life younger. Yes. (laughs) Go to dinner parties and just end up published the next week. Whoever wrote that show like knew this story and nothing else. (laughs) This man whose name is... J.C. Farrar had a good eye because the book won the Newbery Medal. The Lewis Carroll Shelf Award was a runner-up for the Anderson Award. It won the Sequoia Book Award. It just goes on and on and on. And then she kept the series up. So it gets a little confusing, but she wrote... That's crazy. There's like a time quintet, which is this book, um, A Wind in the Door, A Swiftly Tilting Planet, Many Waters, An Acceptable Time. They're not, like, all about Meg. There's Charles Wallace. There's, like, the twins for one of them. There's oh. That one's great. Sorry. <laughs> really in the book. But there's one with, like, Meg's ancestors, like her, I think, granddaughter. And then there's – those are five are a part of, like, a greater series called Kairos that has a lot of Calvin's family. And I've never read those. I've read – the time quintet but the other ones are arm of the starfish dragons in the water and house like a lotus so there is so it was a cash cow i believe so i don't often meet people that have read more than this one it doesn't end you there's nothing more that is needed i guess technically they like jet off really quick but each of them are could be like their own story they're not like Uh, i see you could pick one up at any point in the middle and just read it Okay, a couple other facts. One is that there was a lot of speculation that this was like an anti-communism book because of what you said about like the main villain really being like conformity and everyone being the same. Yeah, that adds up. At some point, her granddaughters released some like unpublished pages to prove that she was writing not an anti-communist book, but an anti-totalitarian government in general book. So there's some pages where Meg's father is, like, warning her about totalitarianism. And he's, like, name-checking. Like, she asks him, like, what about countries like ours? Ones that are under dictatorships. What about democracies? And he picks her up and he says, it's an equally logical outcome of too much prosperity. Or you could put it that it's the result of too strong a desire for security. And that's kind of where that part stops. My other fact is oh there's a lot of speculation she never makes this explicit but a lot of i read a lot of people on the spectrum or people that have kids on the spectrum 
really like love this book and have found a lot of themselves in it. And there's a lot of mentions of like Charles Wallace not speaking for many years and like he's like really smart for his age and has like a lot of like facts that he knows about these like very specific science things and Meg is like good at math I'm trying to find I wrote down some quotes where she's like asking her dad about herself and Charles Wallace because their twin brothers are like oh yeah she was like remembering that like her and Charles got a lot of IQ tests when they were little and the twins didn't really he says something about like you guys are you're gonna develop differently but like you're normal you're fine and so the reason a lot of people even though she didn't like ever say so find this as like good possibly autistic representation is because the parents are like yeah you're like totally perfect we're not trying to like make you different yeah. or change how you think they also I pointed I found out like one quote oh you did yeah i see it here like meg had realized that some of the games her parents played with her were tests of some kind and there had been more for her and charles wallace than for the twins so they yeah. were like kind of hiding that they were trying to see if they were different so I feel like they didn't want to call it out too much. This is technically about the movie, but um, I How read. You? Sorry, I read that the movie seemed to like play this up even more by having Mrs. Who like only only speak in quotes of other people, and Mrs. What's It being really really blunt. Oh yeah, sp- I had a note about me, that. But she was super blunt. Tell it like it is. If she had a thought, she said it. So there was some like thought that maybe Ava DuVernay was trying to like emphasize those parts of the book and put that on screen but it's not really a book fact as like a book speculation Mm. i would like you to just stick to the facts in the future please this is a factual (laughs) podcast i'm out no opinions allowed i am out of opinions and facts oh my goodness i have a different topic more of a question for you do it are the three spectral beings married because it's all well no married to other people like it's all mrs oh doesn't that mean you're married maybe they're married to the cause ah yes (laughs) no (laughs) isn't that weird I never really thought about it I didn't until I was reviewing my notes and it really was confusing to me because, like, there is an option to, to be not mid. make it look like they were married. Unless yeah. they were trying to blend in with humans, but, like, you're literally an iridescent fog. Maybe. I did not pick up on that. I'm, I'm very find- astute. Oh, here are my notes. Still no page numbers. Where did I write those page numbers? Man. Not I prepared. just highlighted and then hoped I could find them later. <laughs> That's brave. I honestly should have done that. So what did you think of this book? Big picture. I need to give you one more thought first. Okay. I have my own book fun fact. Oh. I just like wanted to make sure we had them covered. Um, (laughs) My fun fact is that the book is dedicated to a man named Charles Wadsworth Camp and then a man named Wallace Colin Franklin. Oh. The book's dedicated to Charles Wallace. That's funny. All of my reads, I never noticed that. Oh my gosh, aren't you thankful you have me? Yes, I really was slacking on the book facts. I missed that. I'm Did, sorry. That's my I, only one. I have a question about this yeah. book. Really about a character we haven't talked about too much, which is Calvin, which is the like 
love interest. Uh, yes. They are what? flirty. They kissed at the end in front of her dad. I know, but I mean, like, the dad was never even around. <laughs> but do you think, am I alone in thinking that Calvin is so mean in this book? He's such an asshole. Everything he says to her is mean. He's so nice and sweet in the movie. In the book, I'm trying to find some lines. He is really, what's the word, a little abrasive? Very critical of her. Tells her to shut really? up. Really? Yeah. I liked him. Maybe that says something about oh. me. Well, he called, I guess this isn't about her. He called Charles Wallace a moron, like, over and over again in the beginning. He was like, I thought you were stupid. You're a moron. And I was a little but bit But he like, was saying, like, he was wrong. He literally says, lead on, moron, when they're going to the house. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that part. I wonder if I even highlighted it. He is a little mean. I've got to find, I'll be flipping, and when I get to a May quote, I'll let you know. But I know he was, like, kind of harsh to her about, like, the dad. I thought it was kind of valid. I don't know. That was. I funny. don't think I loved Meg and Charles Wallace like as much as I was supposed to. So maybe that's why I was like, "Yeah, Calvin, let's get <laughs> like, some yeah. blood." He is a moron. I, I thought felt- the teachers were really mean. Yes, they were unnecessarily harsh with her. Yeah. She's not great at school. She's like acting out because she's upset, as she should be. And they basically are like, "Get your shit together. Your dad's not coming back." I know. And they're like also trying to get information from her for like gossip. They were saying like his face had surface level concern, but then there was a gleam of avid curiosity, (laughs) which is a little shady. And also who cares if Meg doesn't want to do well in school? Yeah. She's great at math. Just let her do that. Yeah. What did you think of? So when I read this book as a kid, I didn't pick up on how religious it was. I had so many notes. I loved The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I also loved Heidi, which until I read it, like, again, a couple years ago, I didn't realize that she is as sweet and positive as she is because she is praying to God the whole time and asking for those feelings. And I was like, I don't remember reading this at all. But I apparently was very attracted to books of that nature. Or maybe that's just all that was around. I'm not sure. Maybe. It was like unexpected each time it happened where i was like oh this is like weirdly religious the planet ariel is named after i read that's like an angel's name oh i missed that so i'm not religious so i feel like only the very clear things hit me i had to google that i just (laughs) i didn't (laughs) um i was tickled by the idea that the kids like need to fight this darkness and then Jesus was also another fighter. It was so like Jesus couldn't do it, but three children can. Yes. Which the list of people was like I don't remember the list, but it was like Buddha, Einstein, Einstein, Frida Kahlo, maybe I made that up, but I felt like she was in there. <laughs> I feel like it was low on the women. Oh. <laughs> maybe she's in there, but I remember mostly the men. And then kids who have barely hit puberty the book is weird in terms of like it's fun to read it and like follow on their adventure but if you stop at any point for a second and are like why is this happening why is it happening to them why is the dad and yeah being held in this by this evil darkness 
It's no little, explanation. Confusing. You know so, what I would love? Let it go. What? I would love, you know how they've been taking like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Archie and that and like making CW dramas? This is I, a CW drama. <laughs> okay. Yes and no. I would like a show that focuses on the dad and his work with like the government that's classified. Mm-hmm. Like an X Filesy show, but about mm-hmm. Mr. Murray's work. They're really vague on what's there's a point in the later books where the president calls their house. Like whatever he's doing is that high up. The president I of the would US hope so. Phone number. He's literally trapped on a different planet. Yeah. You would think the government would have done a little more to help out this family. I know they don't tell them anything. I also thought they were in England for like a lot of it. Oh, I think they're probably in Connecticut, like where she wrote it, if I had to that guess. That does make more sense. I feel like the only reason I thought that is because it was cold and rainy. And I was like, yeah, that. And the Tuck Everlasting that we read last time was the hottest, sunniest book ever. Yeah, this one was chilly. Big change of pace. I'm trying. I feel like we're jumping around a lot, but I also think to anyone listening, it doesn't matter. Like, I think you could read this book out of order and still get the idea. I'm just over here trying to find evidence of Calvin being a dick, and I know it's in here. Oh, and you can't find any because he's great. Not he holds her hand all the time and protects her. he's He's like a boy. That they, you know, the kind of boy they told us about when we were kids that was like, if they're mean to you and tease you, it means they like you. He's doing that the whole time. He's mean. Yeah, to her. and you know what? It stuck, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> the teachings are still there. I don't like it. He was better uh, in the movie. I feel like I don't really remember him from the movie because he was kind. There was nothing <laughs> to be. You're right. He wasn't my type. And there's barely any romance. They kind of like. But I they don't still know. kiss at the very end. No, not Should on the we- not on the lips? Yeah, that's one of my notes. If you want me to summarize the movie, I can jump yeah, I'm in. I'm wondering, and- should we get in there? Yeah, their romance is slow burn in the movie. It's really slow. It was hot and heavy in the book. It was. <laughs> it was immediately, she was like, I really like this guy. And they were just holding hands. I know. Yeah, the minute they meet, it's flirty. Okay, so the book, that's really one of the only differences. There's some that I wrote down, but it's pretty similar so to summarize it is a lot like the book Wait, that's funny that you say that well the differences that there are are huge but there's just not a ton of them i have like, a whole column of differences i'll start by saying they just remove aunt beast just as for aunt beast i was pissed that she wasn't in the movie but they don't they talk about her they show her for a brief second when they're describing other planets they give okay, you a yeah movie, and then she's nowhere she doesn't have a name she doesn't have a story. We, we missed out on book talk. I will we'll do a full talk about Ant Beast after the summary. Should we do it? I don't know. I keep interrupting you. <laughs> I mean, I barely started. All I was gonna <laughs> say Ant Beast is gone, and so are the twins. There's just yeah. no Dennis and Sandy. I think if you do love Ant Beast so much, we deserve okay. to acknowledge her existence. Let's do it. I think- I'm gonna start by sending you a photo of her in the 2000s 90s whenever Please it came do because i could not for the life of me picture her oh and i don't I know also... the book very well oh should i read i have the description yeah. of her in the book her somewhere tentacles, i'm realizing fur. i don't even know where to find it so stand by okay i'm finding this picture for you i'll say while you're doing that that 
this is the planet where Meg is going to recover from her fight, her very unsuccessful fight with it. And she like has a very hard time testering. Everyone else can do it really easy. And she's always like on the brink of death every time. So she's in a bad way when she testers back. And then she is like nursed back to health by this alien creature who her dad and Calvin are like, yeah, take her, go fix her. Oh yeah, and they, they don't mind. Go off. And yeah. this person doesn't have um, eyes. I have it here. Do you want okay. to hear it? Yeah. Okay. I'll send you the picture. So they were the same dull gray color as the flowers. As if they hadn't walked upright, they would have seemed like animals. They moved directly towards the three humans. They had four arms and far more than five fingers to each hand. And the fingers were not fingers, but long waving tentacles. Ew. They had heads and they had faces, but they weren't human faces. They seemed like there were just indentations in places where the ears and the hair were and more tentacles. And they were tall and they had no eyes, just like soft holes. So, so horrifying. And they rub their tentacles all over her. They do. But look at this picture I sent you, which if we had show notes in a real show, I would include. They took tentacles and went fur. Oh, she's cute. She's like... um, She looks like Chewbacca with no eyes. Yes, exactly. She's all warm and fuzzy. And she has little indentations where her eyes would be, but there's no tentacles. Okay, yes, I like her there, but like the tentacles are just disturbing. So in the movie, they just decided that Meg didn't need to heal anywhere. She was just going to immediately go back to the planet with no nursing and just go beat it. Yeah. Do they even take her? I can't even remember where she goes after. I don't think it looks like anything. I feel like it's either on Kamazots still just somewhere else on the planet or somewhere close by that just is like nondescript and not memorable. Maybe that makes sense. Yeah. So okay. do you want to go through the summary? Yeah. So it follows the book really closely, except we get a little bit more in the beginning of like a backstory of like Meg's relationship with her dad. Um, they're like doing little experiments together and you see the parents like working on their science together and he's sort of like making waves and being embarrassing because the things he like believes in and studies aren't respected. Um, So they give a little more context so that when he disappears, I felt a little more emotion when he was gone than I did in the the book. He's just kind of gone. Really? Yeah. I was like, Chris Pine, you had such a sweet little bond with your family. He had all these little nicknames for her. She meets Mrs. Who, Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Witch pretty much the same way. Calvin comes with them to all the other planets. This is where the differences come in, which is that they insert Ava DuVernay, who directed this, inserted a ton of action that was not in the books. We have Calvin falling off of Mrs. What's-It's flying body and would have died if Mrs. Who hadn't laid out a bunch of flowers softly for him to land on. Um, So he, like, flies through the air for a while in a very scary scene. There's another scene on Kamazot's where he and Meg find themselves... Charles Wallace is gone. I don't know where he was when this happened, but they find themselves in the middle of a sort of tornado and things are being flung over a rock wall and they yep. need to be flung over the wall. So Meg does some like physics and she's like, we have to get into this tree trunk and then the tree trunk will be flung. And so that happens. It's a little scary. Not in the book at all. Just yeah. wanted to get it 
hearts racing a couple times. Meg was a lot smarter in the movie. She was. They really upped upped the math skills in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they changed a little bit how big and scary it is not like something that's taking over every planet. It's they don't even call they don't point out like some big darkness that's like all over the place. It's just like Camazots is bad and it is there. So they kind of like shrink down the villain. And then everyone's the same on Camazots, but then there's other scenes where they're not the same. And it seems at the end when Meg is like trying to beat it, she's being tempted not to like be like everyone else, but to be this like perfect version of herself who like has straight hair and has makeup on and like looks like what I think she thinks in her head is like this perfect version and Charles Wallace is like if you stay here like this is what you can have so I felt like they turned a little bit away from the anti-communism or anti-sameness and made it more like about Meg like liking the version of herself that she was because much more about self-love Yes, they like stress. They said that the reason she couldn't test her was because she hated to be in her own body and she didn't want to return to it. So she was like bad at testering in the movie because she didn't love herself. And they like talked a lot about her. She clearly had like rejection and abandonment stuff from her dad leaving. So it was a lot more emotional. And so her her fight at the end, I thought was more interesting because it was more about like not just loving Charles Wallace, but like she loved herself and it was yeah sweet. it was sweet it is a bonkers movie though you're yeah i'm only gonna say that the a little summary of mrs what's it mrs who and mrs which oh um, yes in the movie we've got reese witherspoon as mrs what's it Crazy. she is wearing a lot of clothes um mrs who is mindy kaling only speaking i guess 99 percent of the time <laughs> in quotes and they make mrs who um well, it's Oprah, but Oprah is, like, only a head and shoulders, and she's just, like, huge. She's, like, this big yeah. being. Every, like, character in this movie, I felt like the actor was a jump scare. Like, the <laughs> biggest names ever were just in this movie, and for some reason, I had no idea. So every really? time someone popped up, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah. I was utterly shocked. It was crazy. I loved the costumes on them. And I wanted Reese Witherspoon's hair. Yeah. They looked amazing. They even had Zach Alphanakis was the medium. They made yeah. him. And he so had all many weird, people. Some sexual tension with Mrs. What's It, um, which was very fun. cute. Miss What's It was a bitch to Meg. She was very Yeah, no filter. Yeah. She was not impressed. Okay. Um I have one note. Yes. Well, I have a few that I jotted down while we were thinking about all that stuff. First of all, Charles Wallace in the movie is adopted. Oh, yeah. I feel like they changed things just for the sake of changing things in the movie. And then I will say, so you said getting to know the family a little more made it like sadder when the dad left. I thought the way the dad leaves in the book, he's like sent away. He's like doing work and then kind of goes missing. It's like yeah. an accident. In the movie, he literally just ups and leaves. He's like doing experiments in the garage and opens a portal, looks out the window, sees his like children and mother of his children and is like, alrighty, peace, and hops through the portal. It was no accident. He just straight up left. But 
for science. He could have told somebody. Well, maybe. We don't know anything about that portal. I just assumed that he, he didn't know anything about that portal. He was like, I'll be right back. I just have to go check this out. How could you think that? He was a little. I was um, angry at him. I'm sorry. I was sad. Well, so while we're talking about him, my second photo of the day is a picture of him in the original movie. Oh, yeah. You can see not Chris Pine, but this very hairy man. Because, you know, he's trapped for a long time. Does he also look like Ant Beast? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, there's not, there's not a lot different between these two. It a is lot. just, you're just going to send me a photo of Chewbacca. Like, he has <laughs> eyes this time, and yeah. that's the only difference. Exactly. Oh, he is hairy. Ew, but it looks like he was able to cut bangs. Yeah. Strange. Yeah, he's not quite, they made Chris Pine, like, handsomely rugged and... Oh, yeah. He was a but... smoke show when he came out of yeah. the trap, which I guess we never have talked about at all, how he was stuck on the planet. I don't even know if it matters. I don't There's even know the whole gifts. We forgot about the gifts. You the guys book. should just read the book and watch the movie. So like, stop asking so much of us. <laughs> I feel like Tech Everlasting was so much easier to summarize because it was like a sort of like a fable type story. It was very simple. Yeah. This, was, like, this gave me a run for my money. I wouldn't even know how to describe. He's like somewhere where she, May can see him, but he can't see her until she like, and it there's some sort of force field and she can't get in there. And then she puts on these glasses and she can get in and he can't see her, but they can hug. And then she gives him the glasses and he like jumps out with her. Um, yeah. It picture is- like Luna Lovegood glasses. That's what I did. Yes. And the, so what did you think of in the book, the way that it was described when I read it as a kid, I pictured IT. like, yes, IT. I pictured a brain, like, like one singular brain that was just yes, like on a table yeah which exactly. was not what we got we got um, it was like more like the inside of the brain like the synapses yeah. yes and in the one more photo for you the other movie was sort of the same where they made it like it kind of looked like intestines Ew. like like as if you stuck a huge brain in a swimming pool and just like let all the pieces fly oh, very gross. disturbing she is. Yeah. I kind of like that though. Because yeah. in the book, like, it's such a big part is like how utilitarian almost like the world is. So I thought that was like lost in the movie. Like, it seemed much more like nature heavy. Like, they were at the beach. Like, yeah. the world did not seem that bad to me. No, they took out the scenes of like in the book there's scenes with them in like an office building and you see someone getting like reprocessed which they they do in the other movie the movie was like here's a beach scene which was why it kind of felt like i was confused about what the problem was because in the book it was clearly like these people are all brainwashed and they're all doing the same things and in the movie i was like what's happening on this planet yeah well like in the book it's like i don't know if you've seen this but there's a horror movie called vivarium vivarium i think yeah, so that's where, like, everything is the same, mm-hmm. um, and they, like, can't escape it. Um, yeah. And so that's what I was, like, picturing in the book. Yes. Um, I love that. In the movie, that gets lost, but I guess it had to because of, like, the entirely new plot concept of, like, self-love. self-love. But with that self-love note, I had forgotten 
she like has a prettier quote unquote version of herself. Um, that really annoyed me because I'm so tired of like the narrative that curly hair is like not pretty. Like, can we just be done with that? Why do we keep bringing it up? Like the only reason that's still a thing is because of dumb shit like this. They balanced it at least with Calvin saying like 12 times in that movie, your hair is so beautiful. And her Okay, but that's like, (laughs) like, is that not just a microaggression? He kept trying to like touch her hair and leave her alone. He does. Mm -hmm. So I didn't like movie Calvin. You'd rather him just be telling them they're idiots. Yeah, I liked that. I liked it. But yeah, that really annoyed me that that was like... Yeah. Like it wasn't like... I feel like the more perfect version of herself is maybe she's a tad more sociable. Because she was like kind of rude to people. I feel like she pictured her school school bully, but... And like turned herself into her. That was like the makeup and the hair... Back to, like, where the dad is trapped. Yeah. Um, in the movie, I have a note here that the dad is trapped in an NYC trendy pop-up art exhibition. Because <laughs> that is exactly what it looked like. <laughs> like, I would go there and take Instagram photos for $25. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It was way more beautiful than the the book. Just It was just darkness. There was nothing yeah. to it. So I know, like, I'm surprised. Like in the book, I was like, I don't know how you held out, and in the movie, I was like, oh, some hipster has been giving you like espresso. Yeah, yeah, you're fine in there. When he says in the, when he's in there, he's like, I don't know how long I've been in here, um, and I don't know how long I can like last, like staving off it. I was like, I would last five minutes in there before I would be like, my hair couldn't grow that much. I would be like, I'm done. Get me out of here. I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, I don't even think like. Especially, like, in the movie version, I would be like, this seems fine. But in the book, it was, like, a little scarier. But at the same time, you wouldn't even know. And, like, I wouldn't even be strong enough. They're, like, reciting the Declaration of Independence to, like, fight off it. Like, I would walk in and immediately be like, step one, two, one, two. One plus one equals two. One times two. Yeah. Equals two. (laughs) Yeah. I know that much. I cannot find Calvin's evidence of meanness. I promise you. I'm going to be like, doesn't exist. This is embarrassing for you. No one can trust Riley's. How about when the mom is like, yeah, Meg's not good at English or like other subjects. And he starts asking her questions and he groans and says, yeah, I see what you mean. I wouldn't want to teach her. You just kind of mean. That's really not the meanest. There's more. He's got jokes. No, he's got sass. Oh, in the movie, um, Calvin's not smart. Is Calvin ever smart? Yes. In the book, he's 14 and in 11th grade. And he's therefore smart? You don't think skipping two years of school makes you smart? <laughs> I feel like, what did he do that was smart? Like, the whole time, he's just like... It's because he like knows words. He had the Shakespeare stuff, and he recited... Uh-huh. Oh. All those things in the four score and seven years ago. Oh, I thought that was Meg. Okay. She was He's smart. Kid. Yeah. He hides it better, though. Like, he has, like, the outward appearance of the twins, but he's actually super smart. But in the movie, there's, like, a flash of Calvin's dad yelling at him for, like, not getting good enough grades. And stupid. Dad and not his mom, by the way, who was mean. In the yeah. Book yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the movie just changes weird stuff. I'm looking at the rest of my movie notes. Um, did you tear up at all? No. I read a lot. Oh, okay. Really? In, <laughs> yeah. which, in the book or the movie? The movie. Her, 
the way that she, her feelings about her dad leaving and how much it made her hate herself and their like reunion and her complicated feelings toward him made me very emotional. Interesting. Yes. I thought it was very sad. I did not tear up at all. Maybe like, okay, maybe at the very end when they're all reunited in the movie, like, because the idea of like the mom getting to see him again. But it was for a very split second because if I was that mom, I would be pissed the fuck off. You would first be thrilled. Maybe you'd be pissed off later, but you'd be I had like two seconds of like, oh, that's really special. (laughs) And then I remembered how he left them. That he stepped into a portal he thought he could just come back from. Oh my gosh, I have a note. What? So when they're like getting tossed around this planet for who knows what reason. They, like, finally get a quiet minute, and they do laundry in the river. Was that necessary? I don't think so. And then she, like, just did her hair like it was nothing. She suddenly had it, like, perfect, all flicked back. It's weird that the book is so go, go, go and intense, and then it's, like, I'm just going to take a little pause. You know what it reminds me of? In most Nancy Drew books, she stops to do dishes, like, all the time. She's, like, cleaning up lunch. And I'm like, aren't we in the middle of a mystery that is life or death? Why are we being murdered? Oh, my gosh. Um, So old books. you had said, like, Charles Wallace in the movie is not part of that, like, tornado or, like, world flipping upside down thing at all. And I have a note of, like, when he reappears, it reminded me of Twilight where Jacob Black is like, where the hell have you been, Loka? (laughs) (laughs) He just, like, reappears and is like, what have you guys been up to? Like, where were you that whole time, Charles? It's never explained. I don't understand why he would just be gone. Because you know why, actually. It's because they needed the, like, romantic tension of those two alone in a tree trunk. And to put her little brother in there would have been not romantic. True, that would have spoiled the mood big time. I can't believe they don't kiss in the movie. I just wrote a hug and a promise to call. That's all it is. A little hug. Interesting. I am yeah. like that lady, the bully sees them through the window. That was really a weird side plot. They were like, know, they just... were neighbors. Like, I feel like it would have made more sense if there had been hints that they were friends when they were little. Yeah. And maybe then, they like, one got cool and the other didn't. Maybe we were supposed to like assume that, but I really didn't. I was just like, what's happening with this? Maybe. Um, I think I figure out why they go to the beach. Mm. In the movie. I think the whole reason they created that is because in the book, they, the like red-eyed man serves them food and it tastes like sand. And I think the movie was like, that sounds like a great idea. Let's stick them on a beach. It would have been so creepy if everyone on the beach was doing the sort of bouncy ball thing, not with a ball, but like doing the same Same thing. beach stuff, like the towels look the same. Yeah. Yeah, they were all like living their own lives. Because, yeah, anytime I think about this book, you know, my memory is bad. Um, before I reread it, all I remembered was that scene. It's only, like, a page. But to my childhood brain, that was, like, the craziest, most scary image. Very, like, the giver kind of feeling where I had never read something like that sort of, like, conformity before. And I was like, that's so scary. I can't think of anything scarier. Actually, the author said in an interview once that she made – the villain <laughs> wait hold on my note okay she was <laughs> explaining why the villain wasn't conformity but the brain specifically 
mm. why she made it look that way. And she said that because when the brain is not informed by the heart, it's evil, which I thought was oh pretty epic. So all those people, their brains are not informed by their hearts. They're just nothing. Mm. I feel like that's a stretch. I humbly disagree with the author of this book on her concept. She's not even alive to argue back with you. Uh, well, maybe I'll go to her next birthday party and whisper something into the cake. I was going to ask whether you liked the book or the movie better, but I think I know. Um, yeah, I liked the book better. I have one more note about this man in the movie. Yeah. I am looking through my notes and keep finding new things. The man with the eyes? No, the father. Oh. So. The real villain in your your book. Yes, the real villain. He gets there after the movie. They all get back home. And he has the balls to look this woman in the eyes, the, like, mother, and says, I'm sorry I'm late. (laughs) Who the fuck are you? That's the first thing he says to her. I use the word insufferable. Dream universe, what would he say instead? He would, like, hug her and maybe not say anything and apologize immediately. He apologized for being late. He's super late. He should have just fallen to his knees and said sorry. I think so. That's what I would have wanted. What did you think? Were you a movie or a book girl? Oh, no, I'm a book girl. The movies are never... I think the problem with reading a book when you're little and then there not being a movie until way later is you've already like completely... I spent like a decade picturing this a certain way. So then when I see it on screen, it feels weird. Yeah, I was like so excited to see how they created the things that were being described. Only for them to, like, do entirely different stuff. Yeah. It looked cool. Like, if I had never read it, I think I would think it looked cool. But it was, like, pretty. Yeah, but it wasn't the same. Like, in the movie, she's not, like, a centaur pegasus. She turns into, like, a weird leaf dragon. Yeah. Which, like, is cool. I feel like we like adaptation so much. Like, the ones that really hit for me are the ones that are almost word for word exactly the same. Yeah, I don't know why, but it's like so satisfying for my brain. So even when the smallest thing has changed, I'm like, why'd you do that? Why is she a big green monster? Yeah, why is he adopted? I thought it was good. There was a lot of hype around it, and that I mean, how could there not be? There's Oprah. I know. Someone pointed out in an article I read that in the book, (gasps) Mrs. Witch. What? Sorry, we have movie fun facts. I'll say my. Quick fact, which was that someone pointed out that in the book, Mrs. Witch is the blunt one who's a little bit rough around the edges, like Reese Witherspoon in the movie. But someone that they probably made that Reese's job because no one wants to make Oprah be mean, which I agree. That's true. She's very rarely mean. I'm so sorry about your facts. Yeah. I. Riley and I try to have like a whole system (laughs) and then we just completely forgot about it. We're practicing. Exactly. So, okay. Movie fun facts. Last time we forgot the book facts. And this time we forgot the movie facts. So next time we'll forget none. That's true. Okay. Mm -hmm. So movie facts. It grossed. Um, I am not Meg. So this is a very hard number for me to read. So bear (laughs) with me. It grossed. 133,214,500 worldwide. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. So no rounding numbers here. <laughs> none. That does seem like a lot, but at the same time, it had like, to have that doesn't seem like enough to pay Oprah. <laughs> That's just Oprah's salary. <laughs> All the everything went to Oprah. <laughs> um, my other fun fact, which Riley has brought up, that it's a female director, Ava du- Duvernay. And she described this film as a metaphor for what we all can do with our lives. And that like adds up that she would describe it that way because I found another just like general quote from her. And the quote was, be passionate and move forward with gusto every single hour of every single day until you reach your goal. And I thought that was maybe a little intense. You're wondering where sleep fits in there. Exactly. But at the same time, if She's that's a quote from her, she did get to meet Oprah. So yeah. it's working. Oh, yeah. She's a big deal. So I thought with she that in mind, that that's like her mindset, it makes sense that she thinks the movie is fully about what we can do with our lives and not about self-love or any of the other very clear things this movie is actually about. It's about going to space. Yes. So – um, another fun fact, even though the author, L- Langle, how are you saying that? I, I say Madeline Langle. Langle. It was when I was seven and I never looked back. Yeah, you shouldn't. I'm sure that's perfect. So she <laughs> passed away in 2007, like Riley talked about. Um, but apparently she does make a small cameo in the movie in the form of a photograph, which I completely missed. And Me I didn't think to Google where that came up so i don't have any proof of it either okay next up is that this is mindy kaling's first live action disney movie she's only ever done voice work for like inside out and wreck it ralph i don't know who um was she sadness in inside out maybe i don't know i I have no idea who she is in wreck it ralph i've never seen that and i'm glad proud of that that's kind of cute I've seen enough Disney movies, I think. Oh, that's a hard stance. <laughs> I like the ones that I know. I like don't need. Well, you know what? I should take that back. Moana's great, and I'd be sad if I missed it. Yeah. But. <laughs> wow. Moana is the one, the one that slides. It's like, okay. Yeah. There's a really sweet grandma in there, and that movie gets me. That one is really cute. Ralph, I don't think there's going to be that much in it for me. No, there's just like a really sassy little girl who i liked but okay next up is that the main girl i think her name's like storm reed so she had to read the book and had a test on it when she was in sixth grade oh how cute yeah so she was already familiar with the story unlike me did you recognize her from euphoria oh my god no she's um his little sister (gasps) wow she's grown up i did not at all that's pretty crazy because this was 2018. So she's like really grown up in a quick amount of time. Yeah, well, but they know. make her look purposely young and wrinkled. Mm-hmm. And Clothes and stuff, yeah. Yeah, they like very, like any nerd stereotype, they were like, yes. Glasses. Yeah, so those are my very fun facts. Especially love the huge number. Which you now, made- the more I look at it, the more I think that's not enough. Not that big of a deal. Let's see how much it costs. Yeah. I guess it would be like a lot of CGI stuff. It had a $100 million budget. So it's kind of a flop. (laughs) 
Well, they cannot pay Oprah with $33 million. Um, yeah, it's been called a failure. Underperformed. So I, I knew it. I am a movie genius. I knew that wasn't enough money. Wow. Critical commercial flop. Noble failure. Jeez. So they must have not, like, they barely profited anything. No, yeah. So if you were in the director's chair, you were Ava, how would you, how would you profit? What would you do differently? What would I do differently? I think maybe I would cast less big names because I think it was like um, bordering on overwhelming. All I could see was those people. They're like too well known. So then the, because these characters are so big that I feel like they need somebody smaller to like fully take over. Otherwise, I'm just staring at Reese Witherspoon. They were like competing with each other. I would have I would lower the cost of my movie so my profit at 133 million would be higher cuz I'm a businesswoman. Just cast some nobodies. Exactly. That was my answer. <laughs> I would pick which is sort of cheating and not the answer to this question, but I would pick a different book in the quintet cuz there are other ones that would be way cheaper but still really cool on screen and like more fun to watch. Who's screaming? I was wondering if you could hear that. Um, I live in Queens. Oh, it's outside. Somebody's upset. Yeah. Luckily, nobody's screaming at me. It's outside my window. (laughs) It's in your hallway. No, I don't know who's screaming. It sounds like they're yelling at somebody, though. It's you. They heard you were taking Oprah out of this movie. Maybe. I'm sorry. I just don't think, I don't think any of these big actors did it like justice in a way other cheaper people couldn't. I did realize while um, watching this, I like had it blur together with Tomorrowland a bunch. I feel like they kind of came out similar times and are like similar vibes. Tomorrowland is like another Disney movie with like the future uh, incorporated. I never saw this. George Clooney. I see. Yeah, I think he was worth the extra coin. I have nothing else to say about this book now yeah i think i'm all set out yeah it was a lot more confusing whatever we pick for our next book needs to be straightforward (laughs) this is hard to talk about yeah this was a lot like i feel like i would be surprised if anyone listening (laughs) followed any of it us listening back (laughs) we're gonna be like we'll have people um what is it Oh, God. It's nowhere to be found, Riley. The word is gone. Critique? No, like the other thing. I don't know. Like, what's like a human version of troubleshoot? Give advice? Guinea pig, maybe. Oh, be our guinea pig. I feel like that's yeah. not the one I wanted, but it's the same. Same across. Do you want to wrap up with what we are reading? No. I am still reading the same book that we talked about last time. <laughs> Wait, what was it? It was Stardust? No. No, it was the It was dystopian. It's like it's the one with the reoccurring the past life. Wait, maybe it's on my phone. The name of it? Yeah. It's the physical see. book app. <laughs> the physical book unfortunately is on my bookcase far away uh, from me and the spine is turned inwards. So I can only see the pages. Chaotic. You know, I don't even know how to tell you. But That's it's great. a red cover. 
Yeah, listen to our other episode, please. Another one that's nowhere. My goal is gonna be to be on a new book. It's hard because we're reading a book to do this. I read this book twice because well, I read it, and then your health. <laughs> <laughs> My health. I had a health scare. <laughs> we rescheduled. I read this again on MLK Day because I had it off, and then <laughs> you had another. <laughs> identical health scare and then i was like, this for a third time and i was like no <laughs> so i feel like i was a little fuzzy on- oh my god we're lucky you read it 700 times when you were 12 <laughs> yes oh and i watched the movie like two and a half weeks ago so it's really considering my memory incredible that i was on here and able to even i'm speak. very impressed you know, okay i'm gonna leave with one last note yes. Meg's name is Margaret. What the hell kind of nickname for Margaret is Meg? Where does it say Margaret? In the very first page. You should start calling Margaret Meg. Well, that's what I was saying. I would never. I think she would look at me like I was a crazy person. (laughs) Ask her if she's gotten that before. That was my final take. I'm reading a book called Mama Day that was published in the, like, I want to say, yeah, the 80s by this woman named Gloria Naylor, who I I was going to say discovered, but I didn't discover her. I, like, heard about her. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and I, I heard about her on a podcast, was like, oh, I want to read her. And then I found two of her books within, like, one day of each other for free in, like, a little free yeah. library. And maybe for, like, a dollar at the other place. Weird. But really, so then I read them. They were, like, the best books I read last year. And then every time I went to a bookstore, I was looking for the rest of them. And a couple weeks ago, I found her last – I found two more. I'm still missing one. I feel like the universe sends you books because when we needed to read this, I think my copy is from one you it found is. in a free little library. So it's Tuck Everlasting. Oh, my God. Library. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You have to find me our next book. I did just find um, – not that we're doing Sarah Dessen next, but I just found this. <gasps> well, we could. Wait. Do I have that one? Someone like you. Ah, oh, but I yeah. can't highlight in a library book. I guess, no, honestly, I could. My cat ate through, like, one of my library books, like, pretty severely. So I brought it back to the librarian and was like, my cat chewed on this. I'm so sorry. Like, I'm willing to buy it or, like, give you guys money for it. And she looked at me like I was insane. Rudely, too. It wasn't like, oh, like, you're so funny. It was like, um, no, just put it over there. <laughs> like, oh, my bad. So I think mm-hmm. I could highlight, and I don't think I'd ever be yelled at. Try it. Well, see if you do it with a book you really like. Well, listeners, I think this is where we leave you. Yep. Tune in in the next few weeks to see what we do next. We don't know yet. But maybe we will one day. Yeah. It's tough. You can't read with <laughs> us if we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, well. Sucks for you. I'm going to say bye, but... Don't hang up. Okay. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye, everyone.